Welcome back, friends. Bill Creasy here with Friday's episode of Scripture Uncovered. We left Paul on Wednesday at Luke's house in Troas, where, after a dinner party, Paul talked on and on until midnight. And a young man named Eutychus, who was sitting on the window ledge, fell fast asleep and dropped three stories to the ground. Oh my gosh, everyone rushed out. Paul embraced him. He said, don't worry, he, he's, breathing. he's breathing, he's not dead, he's alive. And then they dusted him off, went upstairs, broke bread and ate. And after talking until daylight, Paul left. The people took Eutychus home and all was well. And we continue our story at Acts chapter 20, verse 13. We went on ahead to the ship and sailed for Asos. Troas is right on the water. There's a harbor there. We've been to Troas many times and stood right on the sand where the harbor was. Asos is about 30 miles south. So we went on ahead to the ship and sailed for Asos. That is Luke and the others. Where were we going to take Paul aboard? He had made this arrangement because he was going there on foot. 30 miles is a day's walk for an adult male. You know, we've walked the Camino to Santiago and we average around 15 to 20 miles a day, but we're not walkers like they were back then. Adult men, soldiers, for example, were expected to cover about 30 miles in a day. Paul decides to walk the 30 miles to Asos while the others sail. Not a very long sail, but a good solid day's walk. Since leaving Ephesus, Paul seems pensive and deeply troubled. It was after the book burning event and the riot. And we learn why he was so pensive and troubled when we meet him in just a moment at Miletus. Paul seems desperately tired and depressed. It's now AD 58, and Paul has been on the road for over a decade, working tirelessly for Christ under the most difficult and trying of circumstances. In fact, shortly after this, during AD 60-62, Paul writes his epistle to the church at Philippi, the church that meets in Lydia's home. And he writes in chapter 1, 20-24, My eager expectation and hope is that I shall not be put to shame in any way, but that with all boldness, now as always, Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, life is Christ, and death is gain. If I go on living in the flesh, that means more labor for me. And frankly, I don't know which I would choose. I'm caught between the two. I long to depart this life and be with Christ, for that is far better. And yet, and I remain in the faith, 
uh, remain in the flesh perhaps is more necessary for your benefit. That's a very depressed man. As we study through Acts, we've observed that St. Paul is at once enormously bright, deeply opinionated, often demanding, but he's also tender, loving, and deeply committed. A very intense person, for better or worse, Paul can slip easily into a profound melancholy. We continue with our story. They take Paul on board in Asos. They continue on to Mytilene. And the next day we read in chapter 20, verse 15, we set sail from there and arrived off Chios. The day after that, we crossed over to Samos and on the following day arrived at Miletus. They were on the commuter ship. They were stopping at every port along the western coast of Asia Minor as they hopped, skipped, and jumped south. Paul had decided to sail past Ephesus. He would have put in at Ephesus, of course, but Paul stayed on board. He didn't go into Ephesus. He was avoiding Ephesus. He was in a hurry to reach Jerusalem, if possible, by the day of Pentecost. Now remember, Paul and Luke spend Passover with Lydia in Philippi. He wants to be in Jerusalem by Pentecost, 50 days later. So he doesn't get off the ship in Ephesus. He stays on board. If he'd gotten off, he knew so many people there, he, would, he couldn't break loose from there no matter what. And I don't think he really wanted to be back in Ephesus after all that happened there. From Miletus, Paul sent to Ephesus for the elders of the church. He does want to talk with the leaders, but he does so going down to the next port. When they arrived, he said to them, You know how I lived the whole time I was with you, from the first day I came into the province of Asia. The first time I set foot here in Ephesus, I served the Lord with great humility and with tears, although I was severely tested by the plots of the Jews. You know that I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you, but have taught you publicly in the lecture hall of Tyrannus, and I've been to all of your homes. I've declared to both Jews and Greeks that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus. And now, compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. Paul wants to get to Jerusalem by Pentecost, he needs to make the sacrifices necessary for ending the Nazarite vow. But I think he wants to check in at the mother church as well. But who knows what will happen there? I only know that in every city, the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardship are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me if only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. As he said in his letter to the church in Philippi, a letter 
meant to be read by Lydia to the group. Whether I live or die, I'm indifferent. Frankly, if I had my choice, I'd go and be with the Lord. But if he has more for me to do, I guess I have to do it. I consider my life worth nothing. I just want to finish the race, complete the task. Now, I know that none of you among whom I've gone about preaching the kingdom will ever see me again. I won't be coming back this way. Therefore, I declare to you today that I am innocent of the blood of all men. I have not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole will of God. Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Take care of the people in the church. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. Recognize your responsibility. Recognize what Christ did to bring you where you are. Now, I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. You know, in Corinth, there were factions and divisions within a couple of years. We follow Paul, we follow Peter, we follow Apollos. No, there'll be teachers coming in teaching any manner of nonsense. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after themselves. So be on your guard. Remember that for three years in Ephesus, I'd never stopped warning each of you night and day with tears. Paul knows what's going to happen to the church, and it did. And look at the church today. Factions and divisions. Catholics, Protestants, Orthodox, Presbyterians, Baptists, Lutherans, Episcopalians. We follow so-and-so. We follow so-and-so. I follow a televangelist. Well, I don't know. I, I want to follow Christ. I want to be part of the church that Jesus Christ founded, not the church that some guy founded two weeks ago in his living room. Now, I commit you to God and to the word of his grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I have not coveted anyone's silver or gold or clothing. You yourselves know that these hands of mine have supplied my own needs and the needs of my companions. I argued previously in these podcasts that Paul was a, uh, from a wealthy family. For the most part, Paul's travels were self-funded. He's been on the road for nearly 10 years. He traveled all over the Roman Empire, getting on board ship, traveling from place to place. You need a ticket. You got to buy the ticket. Yes, sometimes at the beginning, first missionary journey, he was in part funded by the church at Antioch. And perhaps other times churches contributed to his work. But for the most part, Paul was self-funded. He's very proud of the fact that I never took a dime from anyone. Yes, he was a tent maker. That was his trade that he learned as a boy. But he never worked at that trade. Well, in Corinth he did with Priscilla and Aquila, but that was his entree into the community. 
As soon as Timothy and Silas arrived, he stopped doing that and was working full-time preaching. In everything I did, he said, I showed you that by this kind of hard work we must help the weak, remembering the words the Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And when he had said this, he knelt down with all of them and he prayed. They all wept as he embraced him. They embraced him and they kissed him. But what grieved them most was his statement that they would never see his face again. Not that he didn't want to come back, but he knew that once leaving Ephesus and these men, the leaders of the church, and moving on to Jerusalem, another episode would open in his life. He didn't know what it was, but whatever it was, whether life or death, it was okay by him. So they accompanied him to the ship. And after we had torn ourselves away, Luke is with him. We put out to sea and sailed straight to Kos. The next day we went to Rhodes and from there to Patara. We found the ship crossing over to Phoenicia, went on board, set sail. After sighting the island of Cyprus, and passing to the north, uh, south of it, we sailed on to Syria, and we landed at Tyre. Tyre is in Lebanon of today, where our ship was to unload its cargo. Finding the disciples there, we stayed with them seven days. They knew people in Tyre. And through the Spirit, they urged Paul not to go to Jerusalem. I can imagine Paul and Luke and the others all having dinner with the folks at Tyre. Paul saying we're headed for Jerusalem. They all had a bad feeling about that. Paul hasn't been in Jerusalem for quite a while. Things were not going well there. Please, Paul, don't go to Jerusalem. But when our time was up, we left and continued on our way. All the disciples and their wives and children accompanied us out of the city. And there on the beach, we knelt to pray. And after saying goodbye to each other, we went aboard the ship, and they returned home. We continued our voyage from Tyre and landed at Ptolemaeus, where we greeted the brothers and stayed with them for a day. Leaving the next day, and again, they're hop, skipping and jumping from port to port on the way to Caesarea Maritima. So leaving the next day, we reached Caesarea, and we stayed at the house of Philip the Evangelist, one of the seven. Well, there you go. We talked about Philip already here in these podcasts. Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. He settled down in Caesarea Maritima. And when Paul and company arrive there, they stay at the house of Philip, one of the seven, the original seven deacons. And we read in chapter 21, verse 9, he had four unmarried daughters who prophesied. Four daughters who were preachers. <laughs> After we'd been there a number of days, a prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. Coming over to us, he took Paul's belt, tied his own hands and feet with it, and said, the Holy Spirit says, in this way the Jews of Jerusalem will bind the owner of this belt and will hand him over to the Gentiles. So this 
prophet named Agabus. He too has a bad feeling about Paul going to Jerusalem. When we heard this, we and the people there pleaded with Paul not to go to Jerusalem. Everyone in the Christian community along this entire voyage down the Mediterranean coast, they've all said, Paul, don't go to Jerusalem. Paul answered, why are you weeping and breaking my heart? I am ready not only to be bound, but to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. If that's what it means, I'm all in. And when he would not be dissuaded, we gave up. And we said, well, the Lord's will be done. So after this, we got ready. And we went from Caesarea Maritima up to Jerusalem. Today, it's a drive of about an hour and a half from sea level to 2,500 feet above sea level. Every road goes up to Jerusalem. Now, some of the disciples from Caesarea accompanied us and brought us to the home of Manasseh, where we were to stay. He was a man from Cyprus and one of the early disciples. Like Barnabas, he was from Cyprus. And that's where they stay when they get to Jerusalem. Now, what will happen? Well, everybody had a really bad feeling about this. What will happen to Paul in Jerusalem? Well, we will find out on Monday's podcast. Thank you guys for being with me. Love all of you. Blessings to you. Keep me in your prayers as I will you in mine. Bye-bye now.